If you have your copy of God's Word with you today, would you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? And as you are turning there, let me say what an odd thing Paul does here. We often take this chapter completely as its own thing, and we forget what surrounds it. And so it is often um, appropriated for weddings, which it's fine to be in weddings, but uh, we need to understand that this chapter on love was not written about romantic love per se. Uh, it was written about love for one another, for our uh, fellow uh, man, for brothers and sisters in Christ. How do we get along? How do we treat one another? And it was written right in the middle of two chapters, chapter 12 and chapter 14, that were all about spiritual gifts. The church at Corinth um, was amazingly blessed by God. God had given them so much. Number one, he had given them some amazing teachers and preachers who had come in and who had led. And, and, and so Paul, you know, some people there had been under Paul's ministry. Some people had been under Apollos' ministry. Some people had been uh, under, under Peter's ministry. But, um, you know, instead of just enjoying that and say, hey, we had this great minister and this great minister and this great minister, they would fuss and fight. Well, I'm with Paul. He's the one I like. Oh, I like Peter. He's got that passion. He pounds the pulpit. Apollos, he's eloquent. He's my kind of teacher and preacher. And so what should have been just a blessing to enjoy, instead they started fussing about, well, the same thing was happening with spiritual gifts. God had touched and blessed um, the church at Corinth with some amazing spiritual gifts. God was doing some really uh, wonderful things. Well, instead of just saying, praise God, hallelujah, this person has the gift of service and they are amazing at it. This person has a gift of administration. They can organize in a way that I never could. This person has a, a gift of tongues or this person has a gift of healing or whatever it was. Instead of just enjoying that and saying, praise God, you have done great things uh, in this body, they started having a little debate, just like which preacher was better. Now they moved on to which power is better or which spiritual gift is better. <laughs> I am a servant. I serve better than all of you. Well, uh, you know, I do miracles or I, you know, I do this, I do that. And so they were getting really puffed up about all of their spiritual gifts. And basically, Paul has to take them to the woodshed. Now, what he does not do, he never throws out the baby with the bathwater. He never says, just quit using spiritual gifts because they're divisive and they cause problems. No, he, he in fact says, do not despise prophecy. Do not, you know, reign on the parade of spiritual gifts. God gave these spiritual gifts for a reason. But what he does say is, listen, you got to do it the right way. And that is why in the middle of 12 and 14, you get chapter 13, the love chapter in the Bible, it's all about how we use what we've been given in the right way. So I want us to read this. We'll read from the, uh, the New Living Translation, uh, and then I'll come back and uh, look at it from the message and maybe other versions as well. But would you stand, please, in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. If I could speak... All the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others. 
I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It, is not, it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will be useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would take what you have spoken to your Apostle Paul here in this chapter about love and, Father, that our hearts would be open and tender and the seed would be planted deeply in our hearts so that love might grow within us, Lord, that it might produce fruit, that we might love others around us, that the world might look at us, as Jesus said, and know that we are his disciples because of how we love one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat, please. So what is at the heart of love? What is at the very center, the very core of love? If love is so important, and, uh, and just in case I have to convince you, I hope that I don't, but if I have to convince you that love is so important, just remember when God speaks of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love comes first. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And when in uh, when in John 3.16, what was it that motivated God to give his only son for us? It's love. What is at the heart of this thing that Scripture talks about over and over and over? What is it we need to know about love that's so important? The first thing, and by the way, I'm going to be trying to be clear about three points today because I got fussed at last week. Uh, you said point one, and then you didn't tell us what point two and three were, and I was confused, and I got it wrong in my notes, and I'm like, it's okay. Whatever good stuff you got, you know, you're not going to get graded on the, the letters and numbers, but I'm going to try to be clear this Sunday so I don't get fussed at. Um, number one, love give meaning to life. Love gives meaning to life. If we don't have love, our life is really meaningless. Listen to uh, how, how Paul says this. I'll read it. We've already read it once, and 
I'm going to read it uh, this time from the message. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. What is the noise? You know, Paul says the, uh, a cymbal or a gong. It's, what's the noise that gets on your nerve? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, nails on a chalkboard. Or, you know, for some people, there's some strange people that are really annoyed by the beautiful sound of a cowbell. I don't know how that's possible, <laughs> but whatever that terrible noise is for you that you just want to say, stop, don't ever make that noise again. God is saying, if I just do all sorts of wonderful, if I, if I speak says with the tongues of men and of angels, that is, I am the best speaker and I speak multiple languages and I even speak languages people don't even know. They're angelic languages. I'm, I'm super spiritual and super knowledgeable. I can speak all those things. But you know what it is? It's that annoying noise. That's all it, I mean, it's like Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. That is all that you are doing. If you are preaching, teaching, oh, I speak up for God I, I, at my workplace. On Facebook, I speak up. I, I, I tell everybody how it is to be a Christian. Guess what? If you do it without love, it's nothing. Okay? He goes on here. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Did you notice here that Paul had kind of put that into categories and, and the, the message translation helps us to realize Paul talks about all the things I say, you know, how much I speak for Jesus, I might evangelize, I might tell people good things about Jesus and teach theology, no matter what I believe. So I have lots of faith. My faith can move mountains. I believe when bad stuff happens around me and everybody else doesn't believe, I still believe. And what I do, Paul says, even if I give my body to be burned at the stake is a martyr. And, and isn't that how a lot of people sum up Christianity? What we say, if we say the right things, what we believe, if we believe the right things, and what we do, if we do the right things, then we're a really good Christian. That's the way a lot of people would sum up the Christian life. If I say, believe, and do the right things, then I'm a great Christian. And Paul says, you are bankrupt. You are completely empty and meaningless if you have all that stuff perfectly going on in your life and yet you left love out of it. Years ago, I heard about a little girl saying a prayer and her prayer was this, dear God, help all the bad people to be good and all the good people to be nice. We can all understand that, okay? We've met people, but oh, they can tell you how good they are. All right, they are holy, they are upright, they know everything, they say and do all the right things, you know, uh, oh, they're, they're a real martyr for their faith. But there's not a drop of love there. Now, here's the thing, before we get to judging those folks that we've seen, 
that can become true of us very easily. Just like nobody in this world, it, there's certain things nobody admits to. <laughs> like Nobody, I mean, I say nobody. Yeah, there's somebody, but rarely. Nobody admits, yes, I'm a bigot and I'm proud of it. Nobody says, oh, I, I'm, uh, I'm for terrorism and I'm proud of it. I mean, most people, there's certain things they'll never admit. I'm a jerk. No. No, and people don't walk around and say, I'm unloving. I hate to love people. It's terrible. We all know we're supposed to say that we love people. And yet, saying we love people, remember Paul said, no matter what you say, saying you love people is not the same as actually loving people. And so we need to be very careful when we do all of our religious stuff, stuff that Paul's not making fun of this stuff. He's not saying that it's not good to speak your faith. And he's not saying it's not good to believe the right thing or it's not good to sacrifice for others. He's holding these things up because he knows and his audience knows, all of us know, they're, they're all good things. We should say the right things and do the right things and believe the right things. But the point is, without love, it's nothing. Point number two, love has standards. Love has standards. This is really important because once we get point number one and we say, oh, it's all about love, what did the choir sing this morning about loving God and loving each other? And that is exactly straight from Scripture. The Bible, you know, somebody asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Number two, is just like it, Jesus says. In, in other words, if you're really doing the first one, then you're also going to do the second one, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, by the way, that's a really good barometer. It's a really good check if you say, oh, I love God so much, but yet you cannot stand your coworker or your neighbor or that black sheep of the family or whoever it is. If you're really unloving toward them, then you're probably not loving God as well as you think you are, Okay. Because we can kind of have dreams about, we can fool ourselves that we love God so much. But the reality is if we're not loving others, we're not really. But once we get this concept of, yes, I got to love everybody, that concept easily gets perverted or twisted into saying, I've got to accept and commend and say that Anything that anybody does is just great, and that's what love is all about. It's just saying whatever happens is wonderful, and I embrace it all. But that's not at all what Paul is saying. In fact, uh, Paul had already, in, in an earlier place, he had to get on to the Corinthians because some of them were in that, oh, I just love everybody crowd, and they loved everybody so much, this is their, quote, love, that they just said anything goes in life. No matter what you do, it's all good because we're loving. And so, believe it or not, he actually had to get on to somebody in the church, a man who was carrying on a sexual relationship with his stepmother. And Paul says, oh my goodness, Corinthians, I know you think you're all loving and welcoming and accepting and that... Uh, and, but hey, you guys are proud. You think, oh, we love so much, we let anything happen. They said, no, if you really love this guy, you got to tell him, man, even pagans know better than that. 
Even unbelievers know you can't behave that way and live that way. How in the world are you living like that? So the reality is that loving people does not mean that we therefore abandon all standards for what's right and wrong. Paul tells us we got to love people, but yet we still, we know that loving people has certain things love does, and there's certain things love doesn't does. Love doesn't, doesn't does. That's a good Mississippi sermon. Um, love doesn't do certain things. Now, let's, let's think about this as we um, look in verse 7, excuse me, verse 4 of uh, chapter 13 here. Here's the standards for love, what it does and doesn't do. Love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no records of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, love love never uh, loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, if we read that, we can almost get depressed real easily, like, have I ever really loved anybody? I mean, these are some high standards. These are some incredibly high standards. If you read that and you see where you've missed the mark, It doesn't mean that you've never loved, but it means that in those places that are convicting, in those places that are, you know, that really kind of step on your toes, you're not being fully loving. You're not being as loving as you ought to be. But we've got to recognize, because there's people all over, well, I love you, but I love her too. (laughs) No, that's not love. Or, you know, I love you, that's why I hit you. Because I love you the most. How many people who've been abused as children have heard that? Love, though, has standards. And, and we could camp out on all of these, but let me, just, let me just highlight the way a couple of them really help us to see when we're being loving. He says um, in verse 5, it does not demand its own way. Oh, yeah, I love her. I love her because she just does everything the way I want it to be done. So I just really love her so much. No, you don't love her. You're selfish. You're rude. You're, you're prideful. You're self-centered. You don't really love someone if you only love them because they do everything you want them to do. That's not love. At least in that part of the relationship, you may have some other things that are loving, but right there, you're failing big time. Let's go to another one. Look at verse, uh, we'll just keep going in verse 5. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. (laughs) That's a tough one. And, (laughs) you know, don't you want to, like, add some exceptions? Like, God, could you just say before you know, after coffee, but before coffee doesn't matter, you know, or before a certain time in the morning, or if it's not been a bad day. It just says love isn't irritable. Wow. I mess that one up all the time. But look at what comes right after that. It keeps no record of being wrong. 
What if every, let's just say, discussion you ever had with somebody just stayed on that one little topic that you were discussing. Well, this is bothering me right now. Okay, let's talk about that. And we, we admit it or we don't admit it and we discuss. What if it just all stayed right there? But, you know, somehow something happens where all of a sudden we're, we're, we're cranking on bringing the, the past in. And all of a sudden what started is this one little issue is talking about your mama and what you did 10 years ago and, and everything else. And it's like, I, whoever has the best memory wins. I mean, that's the way it works. If you're that person that just kind of floats along and, well, I think you did something bad to me one time. You know, you're going to lose badly. But it's that one who's like, oh, yeah, and December 7th, 1942, you did this, you know. And I mean, they've got it, and it's like, do, 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 you're dead. You, you cannot win at all, okay? Verbally, it's, it's like... The, the equivalent of a muscle man versus a 97-pound weakling on the beach, you're losing. And so some of you who are blessed with wrong-keeping abilities to remember all those things, guess what? You win all the arguments. I love my life, my marriage. It's great because I can take them out. I can show them that they're wrong. You had not been loving. You're not loving when you're doing that. Now, let me put a disclaimer here. Is there place in relationships, marriage and otherwise, family relationships, whatever, is there a place to address long-term bad behavior that's happened in patterns over time? Absolutely, okay? God's not talking about that, not saying, you know, let this person just never address this ongoing sin in your life. That would actually be unloving. But we're just talking about, I'm always thinking about what they did to me and I'm either going to get them back and settle the score, or I'm just going to hold on to it. And that next time that we get in a fuss, a fight, or an argument, then I'm going to unload all this stuff I've been keeping and holding on to. God says that's not love. Love doesn't store up this record of wrongs waiting to blow somebody away with it. So, number one, love gives meaning to life. It's empty. It's bankrupt without it. Number two, love has standards. And number three, love lasts. Love lasts. And you could add the word forever if you want to. Love lasts forever. Listen to the last part of this. Prophecy, this is verse 8. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useful. But love will last forever. Then go, go skip down uh, to verse 12. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, one day there's not going to be a need for certain gifts, abilities. You know, your profession might not be necessary in heaven. God might have to sign you up for a new job. Uh, your particular gifts, maybe they're not the gifts that you'll use in eternity. God may give you some new gifts. And, you know, faith and love and hope, 
God says those things, I mean, they're the three things that we can hold on regardless of whether God has gifted our congregation with somebody who does miraculous healings or someone who gets dreams or visions. Paul says, you know, all those things are great when God gives them, but they're not necessary. The, the three things that you really, really have to hold on to is faith, hope, and love. But he says the greatest is love. That kind of blows me away. Because here is the theologian, the premier theologian, the greatest, most doctrinal teacher in the Bible. And he says the most important thing in your life is love. Because love lasts. See, there'll be a day in which we stand face to face and we see Jesus. Faith won't be a big deal anymore. I mean, we see him there. We're, hope? No, our hope has already been fulfilled one day. When we're in Jesus, when we're in heaven, all the hopes have already come true. But Paul says the one thing that is eternal, the one thing that you should make your life about is love. Loving God and loving each other because that is the one thing that will last for all of eternity. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, help us to understand that Love is not what the world sees it is, some selfish excuse to use somebody else for my own gain. Lord, it's, it's not also anything goes regardless of whom it harms or how wrong it is. But God, that love is devoting ourselves to you. And love is remembering that you love everybody else around us just as much as you love us, and so that we should extend that love towards others. God, it is the thing that we cannot do without in our life. It's meaningless without it. Lord, it, it is that thing that it's definable. We can think about the way that we need to behave and live towards one another so that we might cultivate love. It's and it's something that lasts. God, all of us, everything else we do goes away one day. The great things we build or accomplish or achieve, the trophies all end up in a trash can one day. But love never ends up in a trash can. Love always matters. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us to be a people of love. Speak to our hearts right now about who we need to be loving more or we need to be loving differently. Speak to our hearts right now about those that we have behaved in an unloving way towards. Call us to repentance to changing our view so that it agrees with your view so that we will live in a way that honors you. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.